Good morning, everyone. We're so glad you're joining us this morning. What a great blessing we have on this YouTube channel to be able to share with you our service this morning. We're grateful for you joining locally, regionally, and also to our friends um, in other parts of the world. Thank you for being with us. Uh, every week, our hope is that this service is a blessing to you, it's a help, and that this is a, an opportunity to meet. The writer of the Hebrews says we should not neglect meeting together, and even though we can't physically be together, praise God for technology that allows us to, to unite our hearts and to be united by the Spirit as we sit together in our living rooms, but being united in one in Christ. We're continuing our, our service or continuing our, our sermon series this week on stewardship. And when we said stewardship, it's just this idea that God invites us into partnership. He owns everything. Everything that we have belongs to him, yet God has chosen to partner with us, and he's called us to be the managers of everything that he's gifted to us. Stewarding is, is a trust. You know, it's a trust that God places in us, but it's also a chance for us to, to help and to, to partner with him. And, and in that partnering, we become more and more like Christ. We become more like Christ because we help others. We become more like Christ because we grow into Christ-likeness. And we become more like Christ because the work that we do is for the glory of God and for the kingdom of God. Um, we start off talking about stewarding our resources and we said, hey, all of our money, everything, it belongs to God. How can we use that for the kingdom? Then we moved on to our assets, maybe the things that we purchase or the things that we have. And we said, well, yeah, all that I have belongs to God too. How do we give that to God? And one way is to, to hold those things loosely and to be hospitable with them. And last week, we talked about stewarding one another. The idea here is that we belong to God, but we also belong to each other. So how we live with each other, is, it should not only model Christ-likeness, but it should keep us grounded in this reality that our unity is made in Christ, yes, but we belong to each other. Everything we do should be for God and for one another. And then this week, we're going to continue on by talking about spiritual gifts. Now, spiritual gifts are divinely appointed to grow us to grow others, and they're for God's glory and God's kingdom. They're gifts that God has given to the whole church, meaning that everyone who chooses to follow Jesus gets a spiritual gift or, or gifts in many cases, and, and it's for the church in the sense of where you are, and it's also for the greater church because I believe that what we do not only goes on for eternity, but what we do locally doesn't just stay locally because the, the people we invest in aren't always going to be locally with us. As they go into the world, that investment that we've made, we can see um, the church being the church. Uh, this morning, I'll be reading from Romans 12, verses 3 to 8. If you have your Bibles, turn with me, but I'm just going to open up in a quick word of prayer. Father God, we thank you so much for the blessing of your son, Jesus Christ, the ultimate gift for us. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for the blessing of the Holy Spirit that you've left behind to help us do your work. Lord, um, Holy Spirit, we thank you that these gifts that you administer, these gifts that you illuminate, these gifts that you grow in us are truly for your people to be empowered, are truly for us to partner with you, are truly for us to go into the world and share Jesus Christ. Lord, help us now as we get into the scripture. Bless us and keep us and use us for your glory. In your holy and precious name, amen. In Romans 12, I'll be reading verses 3 to 8, starting at verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts. 
according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance to your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So the background of Romans 12 is that you have this great chapter where Paul, after, you know, spending the first 11 chapters, he gets to this chapter 12 and says, okay, you need to live for Christ. You need to give it all for Christ. And he starts off by, by telling them to offer up their bodies as living sacrifice to a culture that knew sacrifice, to a culture that knew that I have to find the, the perfect lamb and, and get it ready and, and offer it up and, and hope that's good enough to God. And, and, and now Paul is saying, no. With Jesus, he's the ultimate sacrifice for all your sins. But now that you believe in Jesus, your body should be giving to God for his glory. And he talks about the mind next. And he says, yeah, part of your body is your mind. But that mind of yours has to be renewed, right? It has to be transformed by the Holy Spirit, which is then going to form you into Christ's likeness. And then he, before we get to our section, our section is kind of pancaked in the middle, right? But in the end, he gives exhortations. And we talked about some of these exhortations last week in our passage. And, and he gives another set here. And, and, and I think what I love about these exhortations and encouragements and urgings is that these are not things that Paul is saying that people are going to be like, I just don't understand what he's saying. They're very clear. And I think the other thing that's really important about them being very clear is that they may not be an exhaustive, all-encompassing list, although when I go through them now, it's going to seem exhaustive and all-encompassing. But why he gives this is because all of us are going to struggle to do some of these things or maybe all of these things. And what he wants to point us to is that our goal is Christ's likeness. If we want to live and love like Christ, we have to hate evil and cling to what is good. We have to be devoted to each other. We have to put others above ourselves consistently. We have to ask God to help us not lose that fire, not lose our spiritual fervor. We have to be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. We have to share with those in need. We have to be people who are hospitable in a world that says, take, 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 my, 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 me and mine. We have to give, give, give and work for us, not just me. We have to bless and not curse even those who persecute us. We have to rejoice together. We have to mourn together. If we're truly the body of Christ, when you hurt, I feel and I hurt with you. Yet when you rejoice, I celebrate and rejoice with you. We have to live in shalom with one another, harmony with one another, working for the, the good of the cosmos, yes. Working for the good of creation, yes. But working for the good of each other to please God. We have to trust God to make things right. In a world that says, I will get you back. Vengeance is mine. We have to trust God that he's the God of all justice. And he's the one who will make things right. And lastly, um, Paul closes this section. And, and this is probably one of the hardest ones. When we live in a world where it's so easy to see darkness all around us. And if we're honest, sometimes it's so easy to see darkness deep inside of us. Because we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Paul says, don't be overcome by evil overcome evil with good and i'll just buffet that with remember what jesus says don't be scared of this world for i have overcome the world don't be overcome by evil sisters and brothers overcome evil with good so yes give your bodies to god let it be used for your glory give your mind to god let it be transformed so you can grow into christ likeness live and love like jesus and then in the middle 
He says, use your spiritual gifts. Use your spiritual gifts for God's glory and for the kingdom. Now, spiritual gifts are divinely appointed, so they're very different than, than natural gifts or natural skills and natural abilities. And, and this is the best I could come up with, you know, but this is what I thought about. You know, I have a natural gift to taste and tell if something's delicious. That is not a spiritual gift. It's just a natural gift. If you bring me food, I will taste it and tell you, mm, not quite delicious, right? I have a natural gift to tell what's delicious. I also have a natural skill to, to eat everything that's delicious. You know, if you bring it in front of me, I will eat it. It's a natural skill. I know I'm blessed. I know, right? And I have the ability, though, to, to eat it over again and again. So if you keep making me delicious things like Patty Shraley makes me cheesecake, I will keep eating it again and again. It's this natural ability I have. None of those things are spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are not what you do naturally or what comes easy to you sometimes. It's, it's not, you know, what skills you have, although you can develop them, and, and it's not abilities, right? Although all those things can be used by God for the kingdom, they are divinely appointed, meaning that these are offices is the language that Paul uses in, in, in the Greek really. These are things that God has given you, not for you, but for the kingdom, for your sisters and brothers. It's, it's designed to, to maybe grow you in your faith, but more importantly, to grow others in their faith. It's designed to, to build them up so that God's glory can be seen, so that the kingdom can keep coming. These are gifts that God has given to the church, meaning that everyone who chooses to follow Jesus will get at least one spiritual gift. And then in the, the growth in Christ, as you become more and more like Christ, you might see your gifts expand. It's a gift that, that's for the church as a whole, yes. But again, it's for the local church, meaning where you are, that body that you're a part of. And I think this is very, very important because we live in a culture now that is seemingly forgetting that we're called to be the body of Christ. We live in a culture where it's very, very easy to say everything the church is not and every way the church falls short. But we have to be mindful that what God's left behind is the spirit and the church. And you can critique the institution, but we have to remember that it is not our job to tear each other apart. Our job is to tear apart systems that keep people from God's glory, systems that deny people the truth of who God calls them to be. We need to break down the systems, but not each other, because we are the church, and we're the ones God's left behind. And these spiritual gifts are given us to empower and to build up and not to tear down. Now, if you want a complete listing of the, the, the spiritual gifts, you have to combine a bunch of Bible passages, and I, I still don't know if you'll get all of them. Paul has a list in Ephesians 4. And in 1 Corinthians 12, he has an even longer list. Peter's list I like because he says anyone who speaks or anyone who serves or doing the work of God, that's the spiritual gift. Uh, but, but in this passage in Romans 12, 3 to 8, I picked this passage because when I read through all these things this week, I realized that of all these passages, Paul is intentionally building this list on the idea of stewardship. Paul's list of spiritual gifts found in Romans 12 is founded on stewardship. For example, your gifts, your spiritual gifts are a resource. Just like we said about resources, right? It's not for you, it's for the church. It's about assets. And just like when we said assets, it's not about what you have. It's not even about you. It's, it's, it's what God can do through you. And it's about one another. Your spiritual gifts are so you can love, serve, encourage this family of faith. But you know what else I found? 
is that this word that Paul uses time and time again in, in Romans 12, 3 to 8. In the Greek, you know, in English, we just read it as have, you know, for we have many members and one body. And, and it comes back again, it's like we have different gifts. You see this word coming over and over again. You know, that word isn't just about possessing something, like I have it. In the Greek, there's a, there's a sense of, get this, stewardship. So you can read, for example, verses 3 as, do not think more highly of yourself than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance to the faith God has distributed each of you. God has given each of you to steward. So when you read these spiritual gifts, Paul is saying these are not just things that we have, but these are things that are meant to be stewarded for the kingdom, for the glory of God's body. And in our passage, he starts off with the first thing you got to do with your spiritual gifts. The first thing you got to do in this life is to be humble. We see the humility of Jesus our Christ in that he spoke the world into existence. He created everything that was, yet he came in the form of not just a servant. He had to grow into a servant. He came in the form of a helpless baby in a manger with his life in danger. And Africa had to take him in. I had to throw that in there. You always got to throw in that because, you know, Africa saves people. That's what we do, you know. But when we think about Jesus' humility, we realize that's how we are to live. And I love the, the juxtaposition that, that Paul paints here, right? He's like, you know what, man? Don't overthink about how valuable you think you are, you know? Don't put yourself on that pedestal. You know, actually think of yourself reasonably with sober judgment. Think of yourself as someone that God has loved, someone that God has chosen, someone God has gifted, not for you, but for his kingdom. Every gift that we have should be used for God's glory and God's kingdom. Simple as that. We have to work as humble servants because our humble Messiah is Jesus, and that's who we follow. The first way to steward your spiritual gift is to be humble like Christ is humble. The second way is to be the body. We belong to each other. We talked about that last week. But Paul gives these gifts to, to remind us that when we are the body of Christ, it is not just, again, a theological, intellectual concept. It's a physical concept. Every part of your body has a function. And without that function, you will be limited in certain way. So Paul is saying this, you know, we are a body, meaning that no member is self-sufficient. And again, I, I talk to my sisters and brothers who've gotten so good at critiquing everything the church is not. You are not called to be self-sufficient. You're not called to do it on your own. You're called to walk together with us. We're called to do this together. If you are living lives of self-sufficiency, of just you and God, you are not being like Christ. You are not being the church. You are not being the body. Aren't you glad that your knee doesn't want to be self-sufficient? Aren't you glad that your heart doesn't want to be self-sufficient? Aren't you glad that your brain doesn't want to be self-sufficient? We have all these different parts, but together make one body. No member is self-sufficient. The other side of that is for those of us who maybe have power or those of us who have influence in the church or those of us who, who have more vocal or, or at least more upfront gifts. It's a reminder that Paul is saying here that, yeah, no member is self-sufficient, but no member 
Nobody is expendable either. Everybody matters in Christ. Every gift matters in Christ. Everybody in the body has work to do. This isn't a, the type of, uh, of work, or this isn't the type of journey where, where people get to do the heavy lifting and you just get to sit by and watch it and cheer them on. Although cheering could be a gift if you're encouraging. But that encouragement is work then. Everyone has work to do. Being the body saying we belong to each other. But being the body is remembering that we're not meant to be an island. We're not meant to do this alone. Being the body means that every single person has a part to play. How do we steward our gifts? We be humble like Christ. We be the body to one another. We be obedient. Whatever gift you have, use it. Now, there's some of you this morning who might be saying, well, I don't know what my gift is. I invite you to read Romans 12. I invite you to, to read uh, Ephesians 4. I invite you to read again this passage in Romans 12, 3 to 8, or, or 1 Corinthians 12. I invite you to, to, to ask somebody you trust in the faith who knows you very well, what do you think my spiritual gift is? Whatever gift you've got, God expects you to be using. Now, in the season of pandemic, in the season of unknown, in the season of, of not knowing what's ahead, a lot of us have become so paralyzed, but the work of Christ should never be paralyzed. The work of the kingdom should never stop. There's no pandemic that God is not working in and God is not working through. And here's the thing. I want Jesus to come back, but I know Jesus ain't coming back till all the work is done. So if you're not working, you're keeping my Savior from coming back. And I'm going to be selfish this morning. I need you to get to work in. Because this world is dark. And I can't wait for heaven. But we can't get there if there's still work to do. And if there's work to do that you're not doing, you're holding us from heaven. So I need you to be obedient. To not just identify what your gift is, but to actually give it to God and say, God, use me. God, take me. Remember, the gift is not about you. It's about what God can do through you. And if this world is dark and you're not shining your light, why are you letting your people suffer in darkness? If this world is broken and you're not going to mend it and heal it, why are you letting people suffer in pain? If this world does not know what Jesus' love is, what it feels like, what it looks like. Why are you not helping them see Jesus, the true Savior and lover of their souls? We have to steward these spiritual gifts by being humble like Jesus, by being the body to one another, by being obedient to serving. And lastly, we steward our gifts by being faithful and I share this story a couple of times a year because it stuck with me. I, I had a mentor who would always tell me, you got all these dreams. You got all these hopes for the world. That's beautiful. But you know what I need you to do? I need you to focus on the here and the now. And it was deeper than just being present where you're present, which is a great lesson, by the way, right? Especially in this time. Be present where you're present. I'm still working on that one. Just ask my family. Be present where you're present. It's a good thing to work on. But what she meant was that whatever God's put in front of you now, be faithful with that. It's not a bad idea. It's not a bad thing to dream of, of what you can do and, and all the ways God can use you. But if you're just dreaming and you're not walking, if you're just dreaming and you're not doing, if you're just dreaming and not living right now to serve the ways God is calling you to serve, if you're not being faithful, those dreams will just stay dreams. Because here's the thing. When you're faithful with a little, God will use that little 
to grow like a mustard seed. When you're faithful with a little, God will put his trust in you and give you just a little bit more. When you're faithful with a little, God will do a lot with it. You know, Christmas uh, 1997, uh, it was, I was 14 years old. I was a sophomore in college. And, 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 you know, the leaders of my church called me in, and I was just like, did I get in trouble? What's going on, you know? And they said, hey, we think this year for Christmas service, you should preach the sermon. I remember thinking to myself, like, these people are a little wild. You know, I'm 14 years old. How am I going to preach a sermon? And then of all the ones, you got to pick Christmas Sunday. Like two of the three Sundays that you know people actually come to church, right? Like everybody's going to be there. You know, and I remember that was my first thing. But I remember the trust they showed in me. You know, I said, we didn't take this lightly. We prayed about this. And we really felt like God might have this gift in you. And God might have a message that we need to hear. And, and they said, we want you to do this. And at their trust in me, I went from, oh, my goodness, these people are wild, to, oh, my goodness, these people are really wild. But after that, I was humbled that my church was able to see something in me before I saw it in me. And, and this gift to, to preach is something that they nurtured in me. And it's something that they started even before I could see it. You know, I, I might have been 14, I might have been only in 10th grade, but I was already starting to teach Sunday school. I was already starting to, to speak up in some of our other services. It was something that they not only gave opportunity, but they kept nurturing in me. And that body is why I'm here today. You know, I've always been comfortable in front of a crowd, but, but the, that body believing in me showed me it's possible that this gift that might have not even seen or, or fully understood was being nurtured. So when I got my call to, to preach it was really just being obedient to God. And I remember when I first took a job as youth pastor at this church, people who knew me for a long time were just like, what took you so long? You know, we told you this is what you're supposed to do. And I was like, where were you from 17 to 24? Because that would have been really, really helpful. You know, and they're like, well, we tried to tell you, you weren't listening. And that's the thing about obedience. Obedience is not just submission to God in thought, but it's actually listening. Listening to his call. You know, I preach now, hopefully, in the sense of being faithful to not only God's call, but faithful that when I come to the scripture, the Holy Spirit's going to open my eyes to show me wondrous things. The Spirit is going to speak through me. Jesus is going to be exalted. Our Father is going to be glorified. But I bring all that up to say, when we talk about stewarding these spiritual gifts, we have to look at it, not just individually, but as a body. And when we look as a body, the question becomes not how can I develop my gifts, my skills, my abilities. The question becomes how can I be humble with what God's given me so when I'm using this gift, I'm looking not like Hank, but I'm looking like Christ. How can I use these gifts, not for me, but for the kingdom of God and for the kingdom? How can I use these gifts in an obedient manner so that God is being glorified? How can I use these gifts in a faithful manner? So I'm going to end a little bit differently this morning. I'm going to end by asking you these four questions. If you got a pen, write it down. You're watching on YouTube, so you can pause, right? Or you can get out your cell phone and type it in. But the four questions I want you to wrestle with and then hopefully answer this week are just simply this. How has God gifted you?
And if you want a full list, again, go to, to 1 Corinthians 12 or, or read again this passage in Romans 12 or, or, or Ephesians 4. But how has God gifted you? And if you're not sure how God's gifted you, call someone who really knows you and ask them the same question, and they might be able to help you along. Second question is simply this. How are you presently using your gifts? Because like I said, a pandemic is not meant to paralyze the church of Christ. God has given you gifts for his glory and his kingdom in every season. So how are you presently using that gift that God's given you for the glory, for the kingdom, for the equipping, for the empowering of your sisters and brothers? How are you presently using your gifts? How, number three, how can your gift be nurtured to maturity? Because we all got to grow. We all got to grow. One of my favorite stories by Henry Nowen is when he tells a parent who's struggling with a teenager, and he says, the greatest gift you can give to this world is to be a growing person yourself. We are all meant to grow because if we don't grow to maturity, we grow in uselessness. And God has no desire to have uselessness in the kingdom. Everyone is self-sufficient? No, that's what the world tells us. Everyone is expendable or, or only worth what they can give? No, that's what the world tells us. God says everyone has a place. Everyone has a job to do. Everyone has to grow in that job, in that gifting, so that they can be mature and using it for the kingdom. And maybe to sum up all these questions, how has God gifted you? How are you presently using your gifts? How are you maturing your gift to, to how are you nurturing your gift to maturity? The last one is simply this. How is God calling you right now, in this season, in this moment, where you're sitting, in your life, in your world? How is God calling you to be faithful? We're called to steward our gifts. Be humble like Christ. Be the body by belonging and loving one another. Be obedient to listen to the Spirit of God. Be faithful with what God's gifted you. Let's get to work, sisters and brothers. God bless you.